Hello dan selamat datang di Moonshot, a show by Sequoia India and Southeast Asia that profiles innovative startups and inspiring founders who are dreaming big, making an impact and driving change across the region. I'm your host, Dewi Fabri, and throughout this podcast, we'll be introducing you to founders and thought leaders who are helping shape the region's startup ecosystem. We hope this podcast will give you fresh ideas on how to start and scale an enduring company. Indonesia is one of the world's largest producers and exporters of coffee. And while you can get a cup of coffee just about anywhere, most of the beans are exported, meaning that high-quality ones are often expensive and beyond an average Indonesian's budget. This means that most locals typically drink instant options or powdered coffee. Kopi Kenangan, which was founded in 2018, is changing this with its grab-and-go model. And though the brand is only four years old, it's already got a cult following among many Indonesians. With us to tell us more about how the company is building a well-loved brand is Kopi Kenangan's co-founder Edward Tirtanata and Sequoia India and Southeast Asia's Rohit Agarwal. Rohit Ed, welcome to the show. Ed, why did you decide to set up Kopi Kenangan and enter what could be perceived as an already crowded market? So just to give a little bit of background about myself, um, prior on building Kopi Kenangan, I was actually the co-founder of Lewis & Carroll Tea, which is, as per today, is the largest premium tea house chain in Indonesia. And what I mean by the largest is literally just seven to eight stores, right? Uh, why we could not expand beyond seven to eight stores is primarily because I realized that most of the cafe in Indonesia, whether it be coffee or tea, they are selling a cup of tea or coffee at 40,000 rupiah. If you, you know, do a quick analysis, 40,000 rupiah times 30 days, that's 1.2 million or approximately 30% of the minimum wage back then. So that's when I quickly realized that, okay, uh, it seems like in coffee, there's a big missing gap, right? Uh, but most Indonesians are drinking instant coffee at 1,000 rupiah. And uh, I'm sure that many of you here can imagine that uh, most instant coffee is just, um, you know, flavoring, over-roasted coffee and sugar. And that's what I realized that uh, there's a big missing gap in the market. People want good, affordable cup of coffee, but uh, the only uh, option are just something that is really cheap or something that is um, really uh, expensive and unaffordable. And that's why uh, we decided to open Kopi Kenangan in 2017 uh, with that uh, missing gap in mind. So Rohit, when you first met Ed in 2019, Kopi Kenangan already had 56 stores and they were just starting to build out this online, offline, new retail business model. Talk, talk to us about the business model and what excited you about it. I think when I first met Ed, I remember he brought me a cup of Kopi Kenangan Mantan. It was honestly very different from what I had expected. I mean, it was sweet, it was milky. Um, it was, uh, you know, to put it simply, the kind of coffee I'd grown up uh, drinking. But now that, uh, you know, I live um, in Singapore, you know, I've grown used to sort of the cappuccino and the Americanos. Uh, served by all the multinationals. So I remember telling Ed, uh, this is pretty nostalgic for me because, you know, this is the kind of coffee probably my mom would make. And uh, it was like uh, a very, very uh, sweet uh, start, if you will. Uh, but, you know, as we, uh, as we delved further into it, we realized that uh, there are many aspects of design choices that Ed and team had made uh, which were very authentic and uh, frankly 
uh, first principles thinking. So, you know, it was not accidental that the coffee was sweet. Uh, I understood from his days in Lewis and Carroll that, you know, no matter how much uh, uh, you try to copy or, you know, you try to bring the American recipes to Asia, Asians still love sweet. And um, so when he started Kopi Kanangan, he had first developed a sweet recipe. Um, he also intentionally recipe uh, made recipes that were cold uh, instead of uh, uh, the cappuccinos and the americanos. And there were just sort of more and more design choices as we uh, uh, looked deeper and deeper into Ed and team's uh, way of thinking that, um, that resonated a lot with us. Um, I think on the market, um, what we had not uh, realized, I, I mean, like what we had initially gone in thinking was uh, it's food retail and, you know, FNB has been a tough neighborhood. There's a lot of mortality in the sector. But what we understood once we looked a little bit deeper and scratched the surface was that uh, coffee is probably a very different game than the rest of FNB. I mean, first of all, majority of FNB suffers from uh, fatigue. Uh, you know, uh, I love my burger from XYZ place and I can have it maybe once a month, twice a month, once a week. But like, that's it, right? Like, I can't go back to that place every single day. Coffee, on the other hand, uh, has, uh, has immense loyalty. If I like coffee from the coffee shop downstairs from my office, or uh, near my home, I just keep going back to it. And I think um, second up, um, coffee's probably got the most uh, sorted supply chain of all FNB. I mean, there are no fresh ingredients. You've got like uh, coffee beans, milk, sugar, and water. You can mix them and make n number of drinks. Uh, so it's uh, it's very easy to manage, very highly scalable. Uh, I was joking with uh, my team internally that this is uh, exactly like SaaS. What uh, what we VCs uh, are so excited about, you know, it's got high gross margin, it's got very high repeatability, and it's uh, super scalable. Um, so, you know, a combination of a lot of these uh, uh, interesting design choices that Ed and team were making, whether it be on SKUs or on the format, you know, making it grab and go, making the store a lot more compact, um, leveraging uh, the food delivery players initially to uh, deliver to people's homes and then... Uh, gradually building out their own app to talk direct to their customers, get a lot of data on their consumption habits and so on and so forth to further improvise the product, choose store locations. I mean, we, we, we sort of uh, uh, could see whether, uh, we, we could sort of see that, you know, this had all the makings of an iconic consumer company and uh, we, uh, we uh, hit it off from there with that and team. Now, that model, Ed, really helped you shelter the storm when COVID hit, right? All around the world, the F&B industry suffered. But what you had built is this really strong technology layer that helped go Kanang and scale up uh, the delivery side of the business and add new products and even stores that cater to the fact that people were working from home now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, what keeps Kopikanan going uh, during the pandemic is uh, our one cup, one customer approach where you know no matter how big the company is at the end of the day it all comes down to serving uh, one good cup of coffee when covid hits the world in 2020 uh, it really is a test of resilience uh, to the company and uh, maybe if we have to take a step back 
we need to uh, be reminded on what kopi kenangan is, right? Kopi kenangan is all about brand love, right? We would like to give uh, the best cup of affordable coffee to our consumer with, uh, you know, uh, with a five-star service. Uh, that is the core of the uh, business. However, there's the tech-enabled part that really uh, differentiate us compared to um, other coffee shops as well. Because um, if you think about it, any retail has a fixed cost, right, of both um, salary and rent. And, um, you know, any incremental productivity that you can bring to your store will help us pay that fixed cost inside the business. And that is why with our new retail concept, we do believe that technology can improve uh, store productivity. And then if we uh, trace it back to uh, COVID-19, what does COVID-19 do to our business? Basically, it reduces uh, store productivity, right? First and foremost, uh, we tried to really relaunch our UI UX for contactless commerce because back then we did a lot of FGD. In fact, in Kopi Kenangan, we spent uh, hundreds and millions of rupiah um, every month to make sure that uh, we do uh, FGD constantly to make sure to understand what is the consumer's pain point. And we did FGD on what is your pain point on using the app. And apparently, um, you know, many of our customers feel that our UI UX is not simple enough. Uh, the color is not. Uh, user-friendly enough and that's when we actually try to change the color from a coffee color inside of our app to uh, the Gojek ordering color because that's the color that people are familiar with right and as a result actually uh, conversion rate uh, jumped up by around 20 or 30 percent so uh, and other than that obviously after we improve our contactless commerce uh, we invest a lot in our delivery as well and uh, what started off uh, where is a, a purely offline business without uh, much traction into the app. As per today, we are the number one FNB app in Southeast Asia in terms of active user. And right now, 30% of our business comes to our own app with the vision of um, expanding it to 40% by end of this year. We rely a lot on our loyalty program and our hyper-personalization. Those are the two pillars that we kind of use in order to make sure that um, you know, we can increase store productivity through both of them. But then as per today, because we, we own our customer, this is a D2C brand, right? Uh, we know who our customers are, who are ordering what and when and how frequent. And that's when we can actually uh, decide, okay, what kind of loyalty points do we want to give them? And how can we be creative about it? For example, I think, um, you know, if you are uh, purchasing Kopi Kenangan, you will get uh, loyalty in the form of Kenangan Point. Uh, right now, we are working so that people can actually convert that Kenangan Point into um, Bitcoin, uh, into airline miles. Uh, and then other than that, right now, we are really shifting away uh, from, you know, uh, one-size-fits-all uh, promo engine. Right now, we are trying to do a lot of uh, user segmentation. Right now, uh, all of the users uh, Kopi Kenangan are segmented into uh, seven uh, different uh, customer bucket, right? And uh, we really know which customer at one end of the spectrum is at the risk of churn. And on the other end of the spectrum are customers that are VIP. Uh, if you want to give promo, give it to the one that is at risk of churning, right? And of course, on top of that, we don't just use technology on the consumer-facing part, but we actually use it to expand our store as well. Uh, we have our customer data, we know where they are. And uh, uh, back then, actually, we had a little bit of controversy during our board meeting uh, when, you know, pandemic hits. We should stop expanding, we should, uh, you know, cut CapEx and OPEX. But I told them, no, the key of getting out of the pandemic is to actually expand further. Because if you look into the data, customer did not disappear. They just moved to somewhere else, right? And this is when we can really use our heat map data and we try to locate 
where our customers are and open a store near them. And as a result, uh, we are uh, profitable again and customer and store productivity actually increases uh, uh, in some store archetype actually increases compared to the pre-pandemic. And that is all due to the power of technology and data. So help our listeners understand, right? When Rohit met you in 2019, you had 56 stores. Because of all these things that you've done till now, how many stores are you at now? How big is Kopi Kenangan? Um, so right now we uh, we have over uh, 600 over stores. Uh, uh, back then when I met Rohit, we only have stores in Greater Jakarta. But then right now, Kopi Kenangan is pretty much in every single big island in Indonesia, right? And we do believe that uh, going forward, Uh, our new retail grab and go business model will expand not just in Indonesia but then um, overseas as well. At least that is the vision. Ed, uh, you know, just building on that, I think what you guys have done leveraging technology to navigate through COVID is simply incredible. I think uh, uh, the part about technology is that you know only five ten percent of it is visible. Uh, you know, people only see the app or the. ordering system that they can use to order the coffee but you know the amount of data that you guys process to make decisions on an everyday basis you know from which new SKUs to launch to which um, uh, customers to send promos to which customers to um, you know where are your customers where to open stores like all this invisible stuff uh, which you do um, is actually even more critical and translates into the immense amount of Uh, user loyalty and brand love that you've been able to build. One of our partners has a philosophy that the hardest things are the toughest to measure. You know, all the good things in life—love, honesty, kindness, courage—these things are very hard to measure. And I think the same goes true for brands. Like products have a formula, um, so they can be copied, and you know you can replicate. Uh, but brands have a soul, and you know they can't be. uh they can't be described sometimes they can't be formulated they don't have a formula and uh, therefore brands are very hard to copy i would love to understand from you how were you thinking when you were first coming up with the kopi kenangan brand how has that changed since and you know how important is the brand for you uh in uh, in kopi kenangan so i think brand is everything right in a business like us cuz um, you know if you think about it for example in mcdonald right can you think of five better burger than mcdonald i can think of 10 right <laughs> it's very easy <laughs> like every product can be copied right uh but then brand cannot be replicated just like that why do people keep on going back to mcdonald cuz i mean there is brand love right uh we even when one of our fgd we actually show three different logo of of uh, four different logos sorry audi mcdonald uh, and kopi kenangan and mercedes benz and we didn't uh, show the typography we just showed you know the uh, m the golden arc the kopi kenangan heart and the audi logo in fact um, you know most people recognize the golden arc and kopi kenangan heart in indonesia but i guess most of the uh, ladies inside the fgd could not recognize the audi logo right and that's when we realized that okay that means we are really getting um, you know uh, brand equity and that's why we every year we do fgd to make sure that our brand equity stays the same or increasing right uh, and how do we uh, get that brand equity simply because uh, uh simply by doing uh, the right thing to your customer honestly and that's the mentality that uh, we are trying to implement inside kopi kenangan that um, you know no matter how much funding we get whatever our status is 
uh, at the end of the day, we need to serve uh, the best cup of coffee to our customer. And it's not just, uh, you know, just uh, from the recipe, right? But it's actually about, uh, can you, uh, are you giving the best service to your customer? Are you being polite? Uh, do you ask, like, how was your day to your customer? Um, those are the little things that matter. And if you do it consistently and over time, uh, only good things will happen to your brand. Uh, even though there's COVID-19, even though there is, you know, I don't know, a supply chain shortage, then coffee price goes up. If you have this brand power, at the end of the day, you can be an enduring brand uh, that will be, you know, here for many years to come. Just building on that, Ed, um, Kopi, the Kopi Kenangan name, right? Did that have a part to play in it? I mean, it, it literally means the coffee you know, right? Uh, so when, whenever you are starting a brand, honestly, uh, people would not care of what you're serving, right? Or would not care whether you, uh, are you being polite uh, to the customer or not. So we, need, we really need a branding that uh, is differentiated, right? Something that will make people remember. Because the first funnel of any brand equity is always awareness, right? People have to be aware that you exist. And that is why I decided instead of, you know, uh, creating a coffee name of, for example, uh, I don't know, uh, Arabica or uh, Robusta uh, that is, uh, you know, generic. We decided to go with Kopi Kenangan, which literally translates into coffee memory. And then our number one SKU is called Kopi Kenangan Mantan or literally translate into memory of my ex, right? And uh, we even have like a definition for that uh, coffee when we first started. It literally means a sweet memory that is no, that is not that is not there anymore, but occasionally pops up into your uh, mind. <laughs> so that, those are the kind of uh, you know little things that we do that is different that really uh, uh, you know create interest to our customer. And uh, you know, and it applies to any business, whatever business you want to create. You want to create a burger brand. If you want to call yourself, you know, a Mac Burger, most probably nobody's gonna remember you, right? But then, uh, you know, you, you need to create something that uh, will sound different, that makes people want to try, and that's when you can really start to get um, brand love out of your um, customer. And that's a very cool story, and I remember. The first uh, burst of public awareness came when lots of young people started posting their pictures with the Kopikenangan cup and started tagging their ex um, in it on Instagram. And that was uh, what drove lines and lines of uh, customers outside Kopikenangan stores in the early days. So that's a very cool story. But Ed, uh, you know, uh, as we discussed, brands evolve. Uh, and, uh, you know, you started with this uh, cool story about um, coffee, which uh, which is uh, very Instagrammy, and, you know, lots of people are posting pictures of and so on. And that worked. But, um, you know, as you've now scaled to 600 plus uh, stores across tier one, tier two, tier three cities in Indonesia, uh, and, you know, you'll probably also want to go international. Uh, there are lots of dimensions of this brand that uh, have uh, that have needed to scale. And I remember there was this one moment when uh, we were debating the name itself, uh, whether, uh, you know, we should retain Kenangan in the name or not, uh, because as we go international, uh, it might not uh, be intuitive for people to understand what Kenangan means, especially for all the non-Bahasa regions where we would want to expand to and a very senior marketer from the industry was recommending us uh, to go for an English name uh, which uh, would make uh, 
our brand a little universal and you know easier for people to understand what it means and so on uh, but you did not agree and uh, i think that's also another very cool story about how you continue to make authentic design choices not just when you started but you know continuing to hold to those principles uh, even as you're scaling uh, i would love for you to share that with our listeners so basically i mean uh that same senior marketer actually suggests us uh, suggests, uh not didn't just suggest us an english name but suggest us uh, uh kiki the komodo as a mascot <laughs> so it's it's a, it's a, it's a pretty funny komodo i mean literally there's a, a cartoon of komodo with the tongue coming out right because uh, and i say hey, why komodo they said because indonesia have you know uh, komodo is a dinosaur and it's something that is uh, very differentiated but but honestly i said wow uh, i cannot imagine myself opening a coffee brand with a lizard as the logo <laughs> even though maybe it will, it will create interest but there is a thin line right between creating uh, a genuine interest and you know disgusted interest right so uh, yeah it's uh, you, you need a little bit of uh, you know feeling i would say and gut in this case Because honestly, whenever you uh, in whatever business you do, you need to be data centric. But then, uh, when you're starting a business, sometimes this uh, you know uh, feeling or gut is really important, and it doesn't need to be an English name. It's uh, it's actually quite uh, generic if you try to do it uh, like that. Your brand needs to have a soul. Your brand needs to have a DNA, and we need to uh, you know stay true to uh, that uh, brand story that um, we have, right? You've created this massive awareness at a national scale in Indonesia, and um, I think you often credit it to the value of touch and feel. The fact that you know you're not just uh, existent in an app, but you know you exist out there in the real world, and people can um, can see your stores drives uh, and you know uh, drives a lot of that mass awareness. And I think uh, especially in the digital era. a lot of startup founders that are building digital products actually underappreciate the value of this touch and feel and uh, i remember we were discussing this with you that you know even among the digital players arguably the greatest brand is apple which has a touch and feel component to it compared to a google or a facebook and uh, that actually enhances its uh, brand awareness brand love and uh, uh, its consumer love so Talk a little bit about how uh, important is this uh, touch and feel. In fact, your products got taste to it as well. Uh, so, how important are these, uh, you know, sensory communications with your customers in building a brand? It's very important, right? Um, this uh, touch and feel, because um, you know, when you whenever you are starting something, uh, you don't have big budget to get uh, David Beckham or Messi, right, as your uh, brand ambassador. Um, so that's why in Kopi Kenangan we really focus on this touch and feel. For example, um, you know there is um, Starbucks that is selling their coffee with an espresso machine, um, and then there are a bunch of other coffee shops as well that selling uh, coffee with an espresso machine. Uh, but then nobody is selling uh, uh, you know coffee coffee at twenty thousand rupiah with an espresso machine, and that's when we decided okay, uh, let's get an espresso machine, and then let's get. high-end uh, premium milk and let's get an arabica bean as well uh, and we really show it to our customer right whenever you are coming into the store you'll be welcome with uh, a smell of freshly grinded and freshly brewed coffee 
for example, many of our copycats uh, try to imitate the business model as well, right, and the recipe. But then none of them actually uh, would want to give the best coffee machine to their customer. They feel ah. Okay lah, uh, I think uh, I can just get like a two, uh, two million rupiah coffee machine and most probably it will look the same, right? But that's what copycat do, right? They cut corners and they try uh, to be like copy kenangan, but most probably uh, they are not able to replicate the same commitment uh, that we have to our customers. And I think it goes back again to you can copy what's visible, but uh, you can't copy what's not visible. And you know, 80% of uh, what goes into building a brand is not visible. Uh, it, uh, I remember another incident and you know, it goes on to maybe explore for our listeners a little bit of, um, you know, you cannot brand yourself with everything that's cool out there. And uh, I know we, we had this debate and one of the investors was recommending that you guys go more aggressively and brand yourselves as a technology FNB player versus a coffee player because a lot of your competitors were doing that. They were sort of uh, uh, very aggressively pushing their app as the main point of differentiation. And you continued to stick to pushing your coffee as the main point of differentiation because you said people come to us for the coffee and not for the app. And uh, I think uh, it's super important that uh, companies know what their strength is and you know differentiate around their strength and build their brand from that position of strength versus you know uh, what's trendy. And uh, today uh, we hear a lot of buzzwords in this space from you know tech FNB to food technology to grab and go to asset light uh, to a house of brands to D2C brands. How do you make sense of all this? And you know, what's your definition of uh, Kopi Kanangan's uh, brand positioning? First and foremost, uh, we need to uh, remember that at the end of the day, people drink the coffee, not the app, right? <laughs> so, uh, and uh, that is the core value of Kopi Kanangan. We are not a tech company, we're a tech-enabled company. Meaning that at the end of the day, if people are happy with their what they touch, feel and taste inside Kopi Kenangan, then most probably we can actually increase the productivity or make sure that uh, we can uh, you know, increase revenue inside the store by using technology. That is our approach. So, um, and that's how we are able to generate um, a lot of revenue right into the business because uh, we do sell a good cup of coffee with um, you know, a, a much love branding. Uh, as shown in our latest Kantar or Nielsen research, which indicate that um, you know we are the number one local coffee player and by far as well in terms of brand equity. Um, so yeah, uh, basically uh, we are uh, you know a coffee brand um, that is uh, tech enabled. I would say. Got it. And Ed, while we are on this topic, uh, you're not just a coffee player anymore. And uh, we have Chico, which is uh, our fried chicken brand. We have uh, Cheetah Roti, which is uh, our bread snack. And we have Kenangan Manis. And um, you're coming up with more and more concepts to uh, provide Indonesians with a uh, affordable and uh, premium dose of uh, their favorite food. Um, how are you thinking about these new brands? I mean, we've debated a lot uh, whether these should all be Kopi Kenangan branded or whether these should have an identity of their own. Uh, we have obviously gone down the path of creating uh, new brands for 
different food categories and uh, i think it's resonating very well with customers um but uh, you know from your perspective as a founder how do you think about all these different brands do you see them all having like a mother child relationship that you know kopi kanangan is the mothership and you know each of these brands look feel a lot like kopi kanangan or uh, are these just sort of very independently thought independently built uh, brands uh, that uh, look like uh, a nice collection of different food brands but don't have a lot of necessarily a lot of uh, uh, dna similarity why we created those brand actually comes down to listening to our customer one thing that you noticed throughout this conversation we listen a lot right to our customer whether it be on uh, our app ui ux whether it be on okay is uh, our coffee too sweet or our co- or our gula aren uh, taste is uh, you know too strong for example we always listen to our customer whether it be to fgd whether it be to our customer complain uh and that is why you know uh even though we are already at 600 over stores you know we only have 20 complaints per month and i think and i'm really proud of that fact uh from uh kopi kenangan because um and in fact one region in kopi kenangan have zero complaint so uh because uh, we keep on listening right Uh, okay, uh, what went wrong inside inside our business in Kopi Kenangan, and how can we improve it? And we really take every complaint um, seriously. And one of the things that we listen to uh, from our customer is the fact that they feel, hey, uh, coffee is great, but I would like you know a piece of bread to go along with our coffee. And that is why we decided to okay, then let's launch a bread brand called Cerita Roti. And um, you know, since we feel that this is. Uh, such a good opportunity to actually build a new brand out of Kopi Kenangan. That is why we uh, created a new branding on top of it, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, it's not just a brand play, but it's a distribution play as well, right? Imagine this: when we have two thousand stores and then we are selling, um, I don't know, twenty million cups to ten million customer. Imagine just selling one piece of bread a day to that ten million customer. That is worth, you know, ten million bread a day. Ten million bread a day. So uh, that is the power of uh, compounding distribution, and that is what we are trying to achieve. And uh, imagine that if we can add a branding element to it, that is powerful. And uh, that is what we are trying to achieve in Kopi Kenangan. Uh, you know, we are trying to create new verticals that has a strong brand awareness as well, and eventually, uh, you know, we'll be able. to become a company that is not uh you know just focusing on uh, one vertical but then we have many different verticals that are all pulled around our digital our both online and offline um, distribution Ed, there's so many things that early stage founders can take away um from what you've just said as they build out their brand but if you had to give the top 3 things what would they be First and foremost is that um at Every brand is built on uh, two uh, group of people. The first is your customer. That is the most important thing. You need to listen to them. You need to make sure that they are attracted to it by the touch and feel. Uh, and uh, if they are happy, most probably your investor is going to be happy too, and which translate into uh, sales. Uh, and then second, you need to actually listen to your employee as well. 
your company is only as good as the people you hire. In fact, Rohit told me this, and we we really uh, did take this to uh, heart to our heart. Uh, and you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we quickly announced that uh, nobody is gonna get uh, pay cut. Nobody is gonna get fired because uh, this is actually the toughest time, and we need to be there for our employee. And we even have, uh, I, and I even take a one rupiah salary uh, during that uh, tough times because I do believe that if your employee is protected, if they feel safe about their job, and uh, then then they can serve our customers well, right? But then if they cannot even feed their family, most probably they cannot even you know serve our customer well, right? Um, and then um, I like to say this as well. Uh, whenever you are starting something, uh, you gotta start small. So think big, start small, and fail fast. Cause um, you know, whenever whatever you do, right, you gotta do something that is worthwhile, right? And uh, for myself, I want to create, uh, you know, the largest uh, coffee company in Asia, and that is why I'm thinking big. But I start small. Start small by, you know, giving the best cup of coffee, one cup, one customer at a time. Right, I failed many things in li- many times in life, and uh, your time at your age is uh, honestly worth a lot more than money. So that is why um, you know uh, you need to fail fast as well, just to make sure that you are doing something that is um, worthwhile. Wow, that's a lot for early stage founders to think about. Rohit, what would your advice be? I think um, I would say build and lead from the heart, like uh, build products that you genuinely want to build and that you're passionate about. Uh, otherwise, it's very hard uh, to be authentic. And, you know, as we heard from Ed today, um, building enduring companies, enduring brands is a lot about tenacity, authenticity. It's a very long journey. It's not a straight line. And in those moments uh, when things are not working out, uh, when, you know, you're running out of capital or, you know, your employees are in pain, your co-founders got a conflict. Like in all of those moments, the only thing that can keep you going through is your conviction. And that conviction cannot be borrowed. That conviction only comes when you have a dream and when you have uh, uh, the passion uh, to make an impact in that space which you're chasing. Uh, So I would say... uh, Again, I would repeat what Ed was saying that, you know, uh, have a large ambition and uh, start, start somewhere, start today. Don't wait to start um, and you will find your way through. Ed Rohit, learning about Kopi Kanangan's brand journey has been fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing your brand building lessons with us. I'm Dewi Fabri and for more interesting startup stories, visit our website, sequoiacap.com or follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Terima kasih untuk mendengarkan kami dan sampai jumpa lagi.